You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Amen. Overflow, thank you guys so much for allowing me to be back here. I guess you didn't hate me that much that you'd invite me to come back. Um, If you were, by show of hands, just curiosity, how many of you guys were here in October when I had the chance to come up here. Okay, cool. So it's like we're already friends. I love it. Uh, Well, I I really do mean it. Thank you so much for letting me be here. I really am excited. Uh, Just as as a rule in public communication, you're never supposed to tell people that you're excited to be somewhere uh, because everyone says that and it kind of gets lost. But with all sincerity, I really am pumped. Um, I almost well, I guess I did miss my flight uh, here. I decided not to take off from San Antonio and so had kind of a split decision of what to do and decided to jump into a rental car and drive here at almost 90 miles an hour and just showed up. So uh, I really am excited to get to be here. Well, um, tonight I'm going to be leaning heavily into some notes that I wrote um, moments before getting into a rental car. But Tonight, this is how I would love to just kind of start the evening, and I'd love to share um, a little bit of my wife and I's story. Um, About four years ago, almost to the date, um, my wife, then girlfriend, Jane, uh, I surprised her uh, with a trip to Nashville. Um, I was speaking and performing at an event there, and so she flew there and met me. I actually was in Dallas doing an event, went to Nashville, she met me there. And we, we hung out, and on Sunday morning, we were headed, at the time we were living in Washington State, we were about to fly back to Washington, and we walk into the Nashville airport, and I told her to look up at uh, kind of the screen. And in Nashville, if you've ever been there, they've got one of those screens that have every place that they're flying to that day. And so I said, if you could pick any place to go to today, where would you pick? Now, here's what I knew. Um, I know that my wife's favorite city in the world is New York City. So I was like, surprise, we're not actually flying home. We're going to New York City for the afternoon. I didn't know if we'd have a chance to connect in Nashville because it was working a lot. So I was like, let's go to New York just to grab lunch and hang out for a bit. And so we fly to New York, or we're getting on the plane. And I reach into my bag and I pull out an envelope and I hand her this envelope and it said number one on it. I said, hey, this is one of many. And so in the course of our dating relationship, which was about six months, uh, everywhere that I'd traveled, I picked up a postcard. And so what I did is I wrote just a letter to her, just a prayer of kind of how I was feeling where we were in the relationship. I'd collected about 25 of these cards. And so every 30 minutes, I would hand her a postcard. She would open up read it, we would just talk about it. We land in New York City, we have a car that's waiting on us that takes us into the city. Uh, We go grab lunch and get pizza, because I know that Jane's favorite food is pizza, and no one does it better than New York City. And so we grab a slice of pizza, and then I, we swing by a hotel that's close to Central Park, and I was like, hey, I rented a room just for you, I'm gonna stay in the lobby, because our flight was at like 6 a.m. and ladies, uh, you know how this works, when you're just flying back home, oftentimes you're just in sweats and a side ponytail, and so you're not really like dressed to impress. So I was like, hey, you take your time, go upstairs and get ready for the afternoon. So she goes up, there's flowers waiting on her and some more postcards. 
She gets ready, comes downstairs, and then we just walk through the city, grab coffee, all the while just giving her more postcards. We find our way to Central Park, and we sit down on a park bench. And I pull out of my bag one last card. This is the last one. She opens it up, and it was a postcard from Central Park, the picture taken from where we were seated, where the bridges and the pond and see the city in the background. She flips over. It says, this one's from all over the world. And she, I, as she reads that, I pull out my phone and hand it to her. And on the phone was a video of all of our closest friends and family speaking a blessing over our relationship and how much they supported us journeying together. And when she was done with the video, I take it, I slide it into my pocket, I exchange it for a ring, and I go down on one knee. And for the very first time in our relationship, I told Jane that I loved her. Those words meant something to me, and I wasn't going to say them till I could back it up. Ask her to spend the rest of her life with me. She said yes, uh, obviously, or I wouldn't be telling this story. Uh, it'd be super awkward. And uh, now, listen, this is the true story. I know some, so, so far you're like, you know, you ladies, you're leaned in, you're excited. I see a few of you guys taking notes ferociously, <laughs> which I support. Uh, and as a good friend of mine, T.A. says all the time, he's like, hey, take this and you can steal every bit of it because none of it's copyrighted. Just find a lady who's not in the room and, uh, and then make sure you shoot me a message so that I can know how awesome I am for all the dating advice. And so, but here's, in that moment, and this is a true story, I'm not making this up, in Central Park, it began to snow. And you're like, okay, Drew, hold up. I was with you up to this point. Now I feel like you're making all of it up. How in the world would you even know that? Well, the reason I knew, I really don't remember much, was that there was actually a friend of ours that was in Nashville that's a photographer who got on the plane with us and had been following us through New York City like paparazzi the whole time. And so he captured every bit of it on film. And so you can see the moment, me on my knee and the snow starting to fall. Well, we head back to our hotel to grab our bags so we could head to the airport. We walk in and there's balloons everywhere and some of our closest friends and family had actually flown to New York and it was like, surprise, we're not going home. We're spending the night. We're celebrating in New York City. We had reservations in Manhattan and so just had a great time. We got on the plane, headed back. And you're like, why tell us this, Drew? Like, what, what, what do you have? Like, why, why share that story with you? Well, one, it's an incredible story. And uh, I feel like I've earned the, the right to get to share that. But two, um, this is kind of... The reason, I, I realize that in this space tonight, that for the vast majority of us in this room, uh, we are single. And when I say single, I mean you're not married yet. So you can still be dating, but still in a, you're still single. But desiring to one day get married, to one day link your life up with someone and journey, through. And you, if I would just venture to say that most of you actually want to do that well, that no one's rolling in here going, hey, sign me up for broken, sign me up for really dysfunctional relationship, sign me up for divorce. No, we go, hey, we want to date well, like we want to get engaged, we want to be married, and we want to do it well, I would venture to say. So tonight, this is my hope, this is what I want to do. As I called Zach and we were talking, I was like, hey, what, what's going on? What, what would be helpful 
for, for the students of Overflow. And he had mentioned that not too long ago that we had someone come in and had shared about kind of the heartbeat of marriage and what that looks like, which we go, we, yeah, we get it, we understand, we're all for that. But the question marks that we have in our heart are what does it look like to actually date well? And as a college pastor, that's the question I get more than any other. Like, how in the world do I do this? Because we live in a pretty, it's complicated world. And so here's, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you up front. Tonight, the Bible does not speak a lot to this topic of dating. And so typically, the way I like to teach is actually opening up God's word and going through it I mean, verse by verse, really diving into it. I don't want you just to walk away from this place hearing just my thoughts on a topic, but really to hear God's voice. But tonight, the dating topic is it's not a whole lot of it in the scripture. And the reason that is, is because dating is a fairly new concept on the scenes, okay? So what I mean by that is, uh, I mean, I love how John Mark Homer says this, that really when you look through over the course of history, that for majority of the time, relationships, like marriages were arranged. Like all the way up to the 17th century, that was the norm. So the vast majority of human history, our time on planet Earth, the mode of you getting married was family members, your village, your clan, selected someone for you and you just walked down an aisle ladies and then you figured out who you were marrying as you were walking down the aisle like that was the story and that's actually practiced still in many countries today that it's not until the 17th century that you see this kind of rise of chivalry and a lot of that had to do with don quixote and that whole idea and the rise of this men stepping up and wanting to pursue ladies but still at that point the decision was based mostly on families and villages. It's in the 19th century that you see that there's an introduction to this idea of calling, which means that a guy who was given permission, that a lady would give a guy the, hey, I would like you to call me, so it was on her initiative, the guy would then come to the house of this young lady, knock on the door, meet with the parents, and then he would call, which means they would go to the front porch, they would go to a parlor, and they would sit down with this young lady and the family members and get to know each other. And then decide, do we want to keep going? Let's meet up again as a family, and then eventually let's get married. That it's not until the 20th century that you see the idea of dating pop up. And just a fun little fact that the word dating actually is a prostitute term, okay? Uh, it's where it has its background. So we're hoping that it's changed a bit. Uh, in 2018, at least I'm hoping so here in Denton, Texas. Um, but that was this, it's the rise of the entertainment industry. And so all of a sudden there becomes this independence. So what I want you to see tonight is this, is that dating, the idea of dating, at least as we know it, is really not even a hundred years old. And so the Bible, we're going to have to lean into it and go, okay, what's wisdom here? And so I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of the scripture, some wisdom, but then tonight, here's my hope. I, I want to share really just a bit of my heart and things that I've learned along the way. By no stretch of the imagination do I have this figured out. 
And so I will not pretend. Um, some of this I've learned the hard way. But tonight, and I know for the most part, I'm a stranger to many of you. And I also know that we're in just all over the map, spiritually speaking. And so my hope is that if it's okay, and I know this is going to take a lot of trust tonight, that maybe you would let me step into the place of maybe just big brother. And just as a guy who's a few steps ahead, who doesn't have it all figured out, could maybe just plead with you and go, this is what I'm learning, this is what I'm figuring out, and if I can save you from some heartache, that's what I would love to do. Because in this hookup culture, we've moved from, I think, even the idea of dating, which we don't even use that too much anymore. Like, we've, like, moved to, we were just dating to, hey, we're, we're hanging out, to, hey, we're, we're talking, to, okay, we're just texting, we're kind of Snapchatting each other, we slide each other DMs every once in a while. Like, it, it's getting, it just, listen, it's getting more and more complicated and so here's what I know. <laughs> I think that was Zach that just said that uh, the one engaged guy um, but here here's what I want to do I'm just gonna be honest tonight is gonna feel like an episode of lost and what I mean by that is I'm gonna try to answer one question and I realize that I'm probably like 15 other ones are gonna pop up and at the end of this, you're going to be like, hey, I think I'm more confused than when we started this whole thing, okay? Or maybe you answered that one question, but all these other ones popped up. And so here's what I want to do. Um, tonight, um, and I, I was talking to Zach, I was like, this may be the worst idea ever. Uh, I don't know. But I'm actually going to, um, I was going to do email, but then I was like, I don't know if anyone does email. But I, I gave them just uh, a social media handle. Do we have that here? Perfect. Okay, so that's, that's mine. Um, Instagram, Twitter, and this is what uh, we'll do. Through the course of tonight, maybe after tonight, if more questions get brought up and one you're like, Drew, I was really hoping you were going to land on this, and I walked away, and I need the answer to this. I, for, if you'll tonight or sometime in the morning, after that, I can't promise that I'll actually answer it back. But if you'll, if you'll shoot me a message tonight with a question, or maybe we can just start a dialogue, um, my hope is that this will be just the start of a conversation because I realize we could spend the next two hours wrestling with this and really just scratching the surface of this topic. Cool? So here's what I'm going to do. You'll have that. We'll leave that up for a bit. I want to pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to give it a go and see how far we can get into this, this, this topic. So Jesus, um, as we wrestle through the topic of dating... It's a burning question that so many of us in this room have. I believe we want to do it well. We want to do it in such a way that, that honors you, that we believe we have one story to tell, and we want to be able to tell it well. So, Jesus, would you just, uh, would you just meet us in the middle tonight? Would you just show up and show off as we just talk about a topic that is often not mentioned in your church? Would you give us wisdom? Would you fill in the gaps of things that we don't maybe have our handles on? But like I said, more than anything, Jesus, I just pray that you would speak to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and meet me in the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. As you're kind of turning there, I'll tell you this. Looking back over the dating, like Jane and I's dating relationships, like relationship, I have like some amazing memories. 
And for the most part of dating, um, like I, I can look back and say, honestly, I'm glad that we dated that way. For the, for the most part, I'm really glad that we dated the way that we did. But when I look back about the relationships I was in before Jane, I have a lot of regret. I don't think back on those relationships and say, man, I'm glad that I dated this way, that most of the time that I look back on them and say, what in the world was I thinking? And here's the reality. Dating relationships are extremely powerful. They can make your year and they can ruin it. They can warm your heart or they can break it. They can fill you with joy or leave you empty with, with regret saying, I wish desperately that I would have done it differently. And I want you to think about it. If you've ever been in a dating relationship, do you look back on that relationship with joy or with regret? Like, do you look back on it and say, I'm really glad. As I survey that, as I look back on that relationship, I'm really glad that I dated that way or do you look back on it and say what was I thinking I would imagine that many of us in this room that we've dealt with a similar regret that I was talking about earlier over previous dating relationships but here's the good news tonight before we even dive into this text the grace of God is sufficient to cover over our past mistakes and that we don't have to carry guilt and shame around for another second. The question is, tonight, moving forward, how will you choose to date? That like Zach said earlier, I mean, Jesus rose from the grave, proving that he has the power over sin and death, Proving that it has the power over your guilt, your shame, so that you don't have to walk in that anymore. So, but unfortunately, the book of Song of Solomon, which if you not if you're kind of new to the church game, uh, Song of Solomon is an incredibly interesting book. Uh, for the, I mean, just for, if you're Jewish in the room, I apologize, but young Jewish men weren't allowed to even open this book until they were 30 years old. Uh, because it's got a, it's a very erotic literature that we're about to like enter into, okay? And so we're only going to get to chapter one and a little bit of chapter two. Uh, maybe wait till you're engaged or married before you get further on, because I mean, there's a point where we actually get invited into their wedding night, okay? All of this, all of it, God communicating that He actually cares about your relationships. And that he actually cares about your sex life, which is just kind of crazy to even think about, that it was God's idea to create sex and intimacy and relationships and feelings and emotions. All of those were his ideas. So he puts a book in the middle of our Bible to help us navigate all of it. So tonight we're going to lean into this and hope that God would kind of give us some direction. So in chapter 1, verse 9... This is Solomon, King Solomon, speaking to his young love. In verse 9, it says this, I compare you, my love, to a mayor among Pharaoh's chariots. We'll just pause there for a second. Fellas, I dare you to find a young lady on campus that you find attractive and just walk up to her and say, baby, you remind me of a horse. Um, 
And when she gets offended, just go, just trying to keep it biblical, baby. And so, uh, <laughs> but I want you to look at what Solomon's actually saying here. That if you, you are to look at a mayor among Pharaoh's chariots, what he's saying, stallions were, pull, were pulled chariots. So stallions pulled chariots, not mayors. So there's this kind of funny story in Egyptian literature where the Egypt is, I mean, they're going to war with this one particular country and the enemy decides to actually release a mayor into the battlefield and this mayor walks in and all the stallions start running in different directions causing chaos, causing Egypt to actually lose this war. So here's what Solomon is saying. He's looking at his girl and says, you do something to me. Like you throw my life into a beautiful chaos. You make it hard for me to think and concentrate and work. You make me want to ditch all the other stallions. And all the other stallions are yelling at me saying, stallions before mayors. And, but I, I'm not even worried about it. And so I know it doesn't kind of have the same ring to it, um, but you get it. He's saying, you throw my life into a beautiful chaos, and I love it. Now, here's why I love this verse. Right before Solomon compares his girl to a mayor, look at what he calls her. He says, my love, my love. Other translations, some of you, it may say, my darling. The Hebrew word that is translated here as my love or my darling is best translated as friend or companion. You want to know why this girl throws Solomon's life into a beautiful chaos? It's not because he thinks she's hot, and he definitely does. And it's not because he can't wait to get to the making love stage of their relationship, although he can't. It's because of the companionship that she provides him. She offers him such compatibility that he can't get enough of it. And here's what I want you to think about tonight. The point of dating is to find the person that you're going to marry. That's, that's the point of dating. If, if it's just a hobby, then you should stop. Because you're playing with someone's heart for it just to be a hobby. Or if it is a hobby, just tell them that. Hey, just so you know, not emotionally attached, not going to get into this. This is just a hobby for me. I'm just playing the field. And if they're still down with it, that's between you and them. But the point of it is to find someone that you'll spend the rest of your life with. The person you marry is the person that you're going to spend a lot of time with. That you're going to wake up to the next 50 or 60 years of your life. Like the person you marry, that's the person you're going to share most of your meals with for the next 50 or 60 years of your life. It's the person you're going to spend all your weekends with for the next 50 or 60 years of your life. The person you're going to spend all your holidays with for the next 50 or 60 years of your life. It's the person that you're going to take all your trips with for the next 50 or 60 years of your life. That's the person you're going to have comforting you when you're dealing with heartache. It's the person that you're going to have kids with. That's the main person you're going to have encouraging you in your relationship with Jesus for the next 50 or 60 years of your life. And you, so you know what that means. 
It means that you better date and ultimately marry someone that you really enjoy being around. They better make sure at a foundational level there's a deep compatibility that fuels companionship. And here are just a few things to think through. Some of these I think will help. Some of these are going to be wildly unpopular. The first one, not so popular. The question I would ask myself if before you enter into a dated relationship or if you're in one right now, are you guys spiritually compatible? Are you spiritually compatible? If you're in this room tonight and you love Jesus, like he is the center of your life, like he is your heartbeat, that you want to live for him, pursue him, then you better make sure that the person that you link your life up with for the next 50 to 60 years of your life shares that same heartbeat. Because if not, you're going to be in a world of, of hurt, heartache. And I'm not asking you tonight if she goes to church or doesn't drink or doesn't cuss unless it's funny. I'm asking you to they share the same affection for Christ that you do. I get asked all the time, Drew, as a Christian, how do you feel about me dating a non-believer? And here's my response every time. That if you love Jesus with all of your heart, he has consumed you, then it makes absolutely no sense to link your life up in the most important relationship on planet Earth with someone who doesn't share that exact same passion. If it really is the, the center of your life, then it will pull the relationship in opposite directions. That Paul's going to tell us in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and listen, if you've grown up in church, you've heard this, and it's not very popular, but that whole idea, he says that you're called to be like equally yoked, like not unequally yoked. And so he's speaking to a, a culture that was, I mean, very much ingrained was like agriculture. And so it's, it's the idea that you had two ox who they would have a yoke that would pull the plow. And he's saying, hey, make sure that if you're pulling and you're, and, you're, and you're headed somewhere and you're going on a mission together, you make sure that you guys are equally yoked, that you can pull the same weight, that you're in the same boat spiritually. So for, let me give you just an example. If you have one ox that can pull 2,000 pounds and you've got another ox that can pull 1,000 pounds and they link them up together, any ideas of how much weight they can pull? Any guesses tonight? 1,000. It's closer to actually 500. You're like, wait a second. One can do 2,000, one can do 1,000. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason that, they have to, that it counterbalances is because one of them has to actually pick up the weight of the other one and they end up going in a circle and it takes them way longer to do it if they can even accomplish the task. It usually wears out one of them and they quit before the, the thing's over. But here's what's crazy. If you take an ox that can pull 2,000 pounds and one that can pull 2,000 and you yoke them together, any guesses on how much weight they can pull? 4,000 would make sense. It's actually 12 to 13,000. That it becomes exponential when they're equally yoked. So the idea that Paul's trying to communicate is, listen, that this short amount of time that we have on planet Earth, God wants to use you to do something big and something great. And so link your life up in a relationship with someone that's headed in the same direction at the same pace. 
So here, just side note, this makes he's gonna make me even more unpopular, but I love you enough to tell you this. This also means that if you really love Jesus with all of your heart, then there's no room to date just cute Christian boys that go to church who just say they love Jesus and show up on Sunday, but there's absolutely no fruit in their life. Ladies, that's not who you want to be led by. You want to be led by a man who looks at you and goes, I love you with all my heart, but I love Jesus so much more. Because when the scripture paints the picture of the the man's role as a husband, who's to be Jesus to you, who would willingly lay his life down for his bride, much like Jesus laid down his life for his bride, that's in reference to the cross. Know that if the man you date does not know Jesus, he will not be able to follow him. Especially won't follow him in example. And you will miss out on what God has in store for you. Can he redeem things? You bet. But he loves you enough to come alongside you and go, I want what's best for you. And so don't settle. Gosh. Man, there is nothing more captivating than hearing a woman talk about Jesus. Just the other night, Jane told me that she couldn't sleep because she had something heavy on her heart. We find out, we find ourselves literally at 7 a.m. in the morning. She's been praying all night. We find ourselves at 7 a.m. praying for a teenage boy, a little boy in the Ukraine who's deaf and about to get kicked into the streets, and we're praying of whether or not we could adopt him with one week notice. Nothing on our radar. And my wife, on her knees, in tears, calling out to the Lord, pursuing Jesus at 2 a.m., and then again in our living room at 7 a.m. on her knees, and immediately I was like, dang, baby, you are a horse. Like, you are amazing. (laughs) Link your life up with someone who shares that same passion. Number two, are you guys compatible when it comes to humor? This is just, listen, to me, meaning can you laugh together? I think if you find someone, fellas, if you find a lady who loves Jesus and loves to laugh, lock that down, okay? Like, that's it. I think, man, that's all you need for marriage to be happy. I truly believe, this is with all sincerity, I believe that my wife is the funniest girl on the planet. She's extremely witty. She's by far the funniest person I know that on Instagram, um, and I mean that with all, with, if some of you, if you follow her, like you know, I mean, uh, I mean, there are times at night when we're just laying in bed just being silly, and it ends up with us gasping for air because we're laughing so hard. And she draws that out of me. It's not my default. She makes me silly. She makes me laugh. And you know what I think in those moments that I go, I just can't believe that I get to be married to this girl. The companionship that she offers me overwhelms me. And then thirdly, I just, these are food for thought. I'd say, are you guys compatible when it comes to your passions? Do you have, do you share various interests? And I get it, opposites sometimes can attract, but when you're going to spend the rest of your lives together at the foundational level, 
there better be a compatibility that fuels companionship and that fuels love. Verse 10, we gotta move. Oh gosh, we spent way too much time on verse nine. Okay, verse 10 says this, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. Verse 11, we will make for you, this is her friends speaking to her, we will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. And so what we see here is the girl's group of friends chime in, okay? And so um, here's what I need you guys to know. Fellas in the room, if you didn't know this, now you know. Every girl has a posse, okay? Has a group of girls that, they, that, they, that swarm together. And here's what the, the girlfriends are saying here is that we want to help make the girl even more beautiful for Solomon. And the good thing is, is that you girls already get this. Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, fellas, I'm just going to educate you into the process that a girl and her friends go through for one date. When you ask a girl out on a date and she says yes, she gets off the phone, and no matter where she is located at the moment, she yells out, ladies, assemble, okay? And all of her friends, all of her closest friends, arrive where she is within 30 seconds, okay? No joke. And she tells them that you asked her out, and the girls make some high-pitched noises. And the first question asked is what? Do you know what you're going to wear? And the girl's automatic response is, I really don't have anything to wear. And the girlfriends go to work, um, especially on the first date. And guys, you need to know that that girl probably doesn't own the majority of the stuff that she's wearing on date one. Am I lying? No, I'm not. It's one roommate's dress, it's another roommate's shoes, another roommate's jewelry. Why? Because that's what girls do. They love to help each other look good. Now, ladies, you know what's incredible, though? When a group of friends is committed to helping a friend become more beautiful, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually as they date and prepare for marriage. This honestly isn't just for girls, it's for guys as well. If you are followers of Jesus Christ, it is your duty and responsibility to help your close friends become the men and the women God wants them to be as they date and enter marriage. One of my favorite stories in the entire Bible is the story of Lazarus. And if you aren't familiar with the story, it's a guy named Lazarus. He dies, gets wrapped up in these burial clothes, and he's there for four days. And, um, and all of a sudden, Jesus rolls up onto the scene, and he calls out Lazarus to come out of the grave. And everybody's like, man, that brother's been dead for so long. This is going to be gross and weird. And they roll away the stone. Jesus calls out Lazarus, and he says, Lazarus, come out. In that moment, breath fills Lazarus' lungs, and that brother walks out of the tomb. But the text is clear, and I love this, that he's still wrapped in the cloth that dead bodies were wrapped in. So think about it. In a sense, he was alive, but he still looked dead. It may have even smelt dead, 
But Jesus says to the people standing around watching, you guys, you, unwrap him. Unwrap him. And those people had the privilege of helping Lazarus look more and more alive and less and less dead. And this is what God has called us to do in each other's lives. He's called us to help unwrap the areas of each other's lives that still look dead. And you got to think, like your roommate is going to be a lifelong roommate to someone. And is there something that you can do to prepare them to be the best roommate possible? To look at and go, hey, bro, are you experiencing some inconsistencies in your walk with the Lord? If, if not, man, let's, let's help each other get into a rhythm. Hey, gal pal, or whatever you call yourselves. Um, <laughs> sorry, girls. There's guys each other call dude, bro. I don't know what you guys say. Um, hey, sis. Um, <laughs> Hey, girl, sometimes I feel like that you're mad at me for no reason. That's the polite way of saying you're moody. Um, And I don't want to feel this way, but sometimes I feel like I have to walk on eggshells around you. Hey, I just got to be honest with you. When we get an argument, I struggle with the fact that I never hear you own up to your side. I never hear you say I'm sorry. Why is that? Hey, bro, I heard you exaggerate some stories and say some things that aren't exactly true, and it just worries me. And as your friend, I just want to encourage you to always speak the truth. Hey, when you eat all my food and use all of my stuff without ever saying thanks, I feel like you don't respect me or value me. And I'm happy for you to eat my food and use my stuff, but at least I want to be acknowledged. Or, bro, you are a filthy human being. It's time to get your butt up, clean yourself up, clean your clothes, clean your space. And now, hear, hear this. Roommates are the best marriage practice you will ever have. And some of you are living alone and need to start looking for godly roommates to live with so that God can start better preparing you for a future roommate slash spouse. And plus, when you live by yourself, you just get weird. Um, <laughs> it's true. And, and just a side note, if you're a bad roommate now, uh, you aren't magically going to be awesome once you get married. If your roommates come to you a lot and go, hey, you got some issues, guess what? You're going to carry every one of those into your marriage. So what a sweet gift that God would surround you by people that would actually call you out and push you to be so much more. Here's my dream and my prayer for you, that when you get married, that you'd be able to look down a long row of men or women standing next to you, your groomsmaids or groomsmen, your bridesmaids, butcher that there, groomsmen, your bridesmaids, and be able to look and say, hey, God used that guy there to help me be a man of integrity with my words. That God used that girl right there to help me grow in conflict resolution. That God used that guy to help me treat others with respect. God used that girl to help me realize I'm prone towards being moody. God used that guy to help me walk consistently with the Lord. See, it is your responsibility and your privilege to unwrap each other, to prepare each other, to be godly roommates in marriage. Let's go to verse 12. While the king was on his couch... 
My nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breast. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyard of Enigid. A woman wear, would wear a small bag of myrrh, a kind of perfume around her neck at night. And then all the next day she'd smell of a sweet fragrance. And she says, Solomon is like that bag of perfume around my neck. She's saying, Solomon, he makes me smell good. Then she says that he's a cluster of henna blossoms. Henna blossoms were often an ornament that women would wear, almost like jewelry. She's saying Solomon is like one of those ornaments. His presence in my life makes me more beautiful. So guys, think about it. What will a girl's life look like and smell like from dating you? Like, What does it look like to date you? Because I'll say it this way, the girls around you will either smell of one, two things, and there's really, there's no middle ground. They will either smell of conviction or they will smell of compromise. Do you smell like you've been around Jesus? Because if you smell like you've been around Jesus, that's what she's gonna start to smell like. Do you smell of conviction or compromise? And here's what we're seeing tonight, that when you decide to date, you don't just have to worry about what you smell like. You have, to, you have to worry about what a girl will smell like from being around you. And men, if you convince your girlfriend that it's okay for you guys to spend the night together as long as you keep it clean, what's your girlfriend going to smell like to, your na- to her neighbors or to her neighbors, yours, like when they see both of you walking out of an apartment on Saturday or Sunday morning? She's going to smell of compromise. If you guys are always in her room or in your room with the door closed at 11 or 12 or 1 at night, how do you think she's going to smell to your roommates or to hers? Is she going to smell of compromise? Most definitely. You go with her to a party and you dance up on her like you've been listening to too much Drake, Cardi B, or Jeezy. How do you think she's going to smell to the other people that see her? So smell of compromise. Guys, when you allow stupid, petty arguments to flood your relationship to the point that every week there's some new drama between the two of you, how do you think she's going to smell to her friends and to her family? She's going to reek of drama. And guys, when you're emotionally flaky, fellas, when you're just emotionally flaky, meaning one minute you tell a girl that you like her, the next minute you blow her off, one minute you make out with her, and the next minute you want to see other people, one minute you want to be dating, another minute you aren't sure, you know what she's going to smell like? She's going to reek of insecurity. So when you smell of compromise, fellas, so, so, so was she. But men, when you smell of conviction, just think of what a blessing you can be to a girl. When you set strong physical boundaries and you respect her physically, she will smell of purity. When you communicate your feelings clearly and confidently, she will smell of security. When you refuse foolish and immature drama, she will smell of peace. And when you seek to uphold her reputation with your neighbors and roommates, she will smell of character. When you refuse to be passive and lazy and instead initiate with her and take her on creative dates and pursue rich and edifying conversation, 
and you let laughter fill the air, she will smell of joy. Guys, when you decide to date a girl, what you are saying is, I'd be okay with this girl smelling like me. And guys, what I would like, like what would it be like and to leave a girl smelling better than when you found her? What would it be like if even if you broke up for a girl to say the breakup was hard but my life smells better from dating him? That God used him to raise the bar of what I'm looking for. And man, hey, and just a side note, what would it be like to actually date in such a way that if the relationship ended, which to be honest with you, they all end until one doesn't, okay? And so uh, it, what would it be like to date in such a way that you would actually invite that ex to your wedding and it would be a joy to come? And let's just think about this, fellas. You show up to the wedding of your ex-girlfriend. What would it be like to have her new husband walk up to you and actually want to shake your hand because she was better off from dating you instead of wanting to punch you in the throat? Like, amen or ouch. And I would love for that to be our story. Sadly, it's very far and few. Verse 15. I'm going to run through this fast. I know there's a lot here. Verse 15. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Verse 16. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Verse 17 says, our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar and rafters are pine. Verse 15, 16, we see Solomon and the girl expressing their physical attraction for each other. Physical attraction is important, but it's not everything. So the question is like, what do you like about him or her? Is it just just the physical? That's going to fade eventually. There's so many other things. In verse 17, I love this. If you think about it, she says this, our couch is green, the beams of our house are cedar, our rafters are pine. What she is saying is this, we are outside, which seems like a small thing. She said, but our couch is the grass, our roof is the trees hanging over us. They're having a picnic out in the light. And listen, you, we don't have time today to talk about like what's physical boundaries and what all that looks like. Um, But I'll just say this, uh, the more daylight your dating relationship sees, the better. Because the reality is, is you can be shady anytime and anywhere. But I guarantee you the reason so many of us can look back on past relationships and say, what was I thinking is because of stupid decisions we made late at night in dark places. And then the question is, I don't know how we went this far. I don't know what happened. Um, my guess is that you were alone in your apartment at midnight watching a movie with lights out under the blanket, laying horizontal, and just something happened. Like, we have this mindset, and I'll just say this is just a side note, and we don't really have the time, but here's the deal. When it comes to physical boundaries, um, we have this tendency, and here's the question we get all the time, Drew, where's the line? How far is too far What can I get away with? And can I just be really honest as 
people who love Jesus and are following Jesus, it's the wrong question. Why? Because the question we're ultimately asking is, Drew, show me the line, because what I want to do is I want to walk up to it. I want to put my tippy toes on it. I want to lean as far over as I can and hope not to fall over. And every time we fall over. The question is not where's the line and how far can I get to it, but rather as a follower of Jesus, men, please hear this. It is going, if this is the line, walking in purity is to go, how far can I stay away from that line? I will not compromise this young woman. Okay, listen. Fellas, oh man, this is such a side note and we just don't have time for this. You touching what is not yours in the name of love, let me go and tell you this, it has nothing to do with love. Every bit of it's lust. Okay, and you go, no, but I love her. Let me go tell you, listen, listen. The scripture paints a picture of love that says it is patient, it is kind, it is not self-seeking. Everything that you are doing in those moments is self-seeking and has nothing to do with love. So to try to church it up and call it love is not. I've heard it called the, the fish love. Meaning this, that there's a story of this man who sees a guy fishing, he pulls a fish and he's eating it, and the man walks by and he goes, why'd you eat the fish? And he goes, I love the fish. He goes, you love the fish? That's why you pulled it out of its home, killed it, fried it, and then ate it? No, 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 you don't love the fish, you lust after it, you like the way it makes you feel and could care less about that fish. Fellas, when you touch what is not yours, that's, that's, that's the mindset that you take on. That was free. That's not even in the notes. Uh, sorry. That's probably going to be one of the questions I get later. Um, man, okay, gosh, uh, so much here. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1, I'm the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. Gosh, he says here at verse 2, is a lily among brambles, like lily among thorns. She's just like, I'm just a lily among lilies. He's like, no, you're a lily among thorns. He's saying, there's no other girl like you. You're the one I want to give all my time, attention, affection to. Man, there's so much here. I'm just going to give you a few practical things, and then I just kind of want to wrap up tonight. You guys have been so patient and we've been tracking through so much. I feel like I've been trying to really squeeze about six-hour talk into 30 minutes. And let me just say this. Solomon is so clear and so affirming to his girl. He leaves nothing to the imagination. He's constantly giving clarity and peace to the situation. So very practically speaking, fellas, when it comes to dating, I believe, you can call me old-fashioned, it is on you to take the initiative. That the goal of the first date is to determine if you want there to be a second date. So when you like a girl, what you do is you ask her out, okay? You don't text her, okay? That's passive, okay? Ladies, if a guy texts you to go out, say no, okay? And here's why. Because if he's not going to man up the first step, he's probably not going to man up later. And so, fellas, if you like a girl, you ask her out in person. You can call her if it's, there's distance. But there should be, you should hear your voice. 
Don't do it on Instagram. Please don't do it on Instagram. Um, you ask her out. You come with a plan. When I, saw my, when I told my wife, my wife and I were friends for years, and it got to a point where one night I looked at her and I said, Jane, um, can I just run something by you? Probably not the smoothest way to jump into it, but uh, that was all I had. And I was like, hey, over the past few months, I've noticed these things about you. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. I'm no longer interested in just being your friend. I want to take you on a date. And if you'll say yes, I would love for it to be this Friday if you're available. And when she eventually, after a few days of thinking about it, said yes, which hurt my pride on so many levels. Uh, it's like, what do you have to think about? Uh, and she said yes. And... Um, I was like, well, I'm going to pick you up at this time. And I took her to the restaurant. I didn't have her plan any of it. I planned every bit of it. I paid for all of it. And then when I walked her to her front door, I told her that I had an amazing time. And if she would allow me, I would love to take her on another date. Because the purpose of date number one is to find out if you want date number two. And fellas, if you want date number two, you need to tell her that you want date number two. I would even say this, if you just need, I need, listen, break it down. I need a plan, I need details. What do you mean by that? You have 48 hours to communicate back to her, not via text, that you would like to go on another date. And then if date number two goes well, you got 48 hours to tell her you'd like to take her on date number three, and so forth. Fellas, it's not rocket science, but you have to give her the next step. That's it. That's what it looks like to lead. I don't have it figured out. I don't know where this ends, but this is the next step. The next step being a date. And if you don't want another date, Tell her that. Listen, if you're man enough to ask her on a date, then you need to be man enough to get out of it, okay? And don't do this whole like weird wishy-washy thing where you like half date, and you're in and out, and you, you kind of like call her when you're lonely, you're like meet up just when like, no, no, listen, if, if, you, if, you're, if you know that's not what's next, then listen, don't blame it on God. That's another side note, another sermon there. Um, like, oh, God told me we should date. No. You just don't like her, tell her that. Um, it, it, it's way better than trying to make, blame it on God. Can't imagine how many relationships he's been blamed for. Um, that had, he had nothing to, like, had no, that wasn't his thing. Just you're passive aggressive and don't want to man up and own it. And so, blame Jesus. And so, but you own it, you step into it, and you make it a clean break. Okay? You give her space to heal. And to begin to maybe the process of maybe dating someone else, but step back. Don't date from a distance. Fellas, we're so good at this. Ladies, I'm about to make every man mad because I'm about to tell you our secret. We do this whole thing where we date from a distance. We're like, hey, you want to go get coffee and hang out? And we go and we get coffee. And then when you go, what is this? And you're like, whoa, 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 easy. Like slow on the brakes. It was just kind of getting to know you as a friend. But what we're doing is we're really like dating you from a distance and seeing because we're not really that committed and so that's our like number one secret trick right there. So if a guy goes, let's go get coffee, ladies, 
uh, you have every right to go, hey, would love to, but what's your intentions? Because my heart is valuable, and I'm not just going to throw it to everyone. And so can you be trusted with this? If not, like, let's save each other the time, because I've got a lot of friends that I can drink coffee with. So... Um, I, I just made everybody real mad and upset. Uh, we got too practical. Okay, here's what I want to end tonight. Here's my heartbeat. I, this is, gosh, this is so much. In verse 7, and you see this a lot, the Song of Solomon. She says this, she said, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. That she knows that it's normal to see other people finding love and to want to find it yourself. But she also knows that, that love can't be rushed. I wish tonight, I almost I literally thought about swinging by and grabbing some wood but I want you tonight, just as kind of closing, and as Jared, and they come up and to kind of lead us into just another time, just to sing and respond to Jesus. Like, I was thinking about the fact that, and I don't know how outdoorsy you guys are. If you look at me, I'm more indoorsy. And, um, but if we were to build wood and, like, like, or build a fire tonight, and whether you're log cabin or TP, whatever your style is, and, Here's what I know about building a fire is that you, you don't just put the logs and you light a match and throw it on there. Like it, it won't do much. Like it takes time. It takes like kindling and it takes leaves and you've got to like set it and prepare it. And you've got to like really nurture it and you light it and you protect it and you let the flame slowly take if you want the fire to last all night. But I want you to think about what is a junior high boy's best friend when it comes to making a fire lighter fluid and they'll take lighter fluid and they'll just pour it all over it and just like me just cover this thing and then just take matches and just light it well what happens is this is you get an instant flame instant heat instantly gone and so many, what she's speaking of here is this I know that your heart longs for the heat of this fire. I know that, there, that you have been wired and designed to, to gather around that and feel the security that it offers. But she's saying, listen, I'm begging you to not rush this, to not grab lighter fluid and not, not spray it on there and just and try to get all the heat and all the brightness of that flame that's just going to kind of just wisp away really quick. And so that's why, that's why if we're honest, that's why we cross so many physical boundaries. Because the, the fire's not producing it. The relationship is not really that good. And so we think that if maybe we cross the physical boundaries, we'll produce a little bit of the heat of this artificial fire that'll make us at least feel good inside for a moment. That's why we, we jump to saying, I love you so fast. Because emotionally, it starts to give us some of the heat, and it's just lighter fluid on the fire. And it's up and gone instantly. And what she's saying is, hey, listen, I know you want this. I know that you desire this. But don't rush it. 
Let God help you build it in his timing. Can I just say this? And I know you're not going to believe me tonight. God cares way more about your love story than you do. And I'll just go so far to say it this way. He's way better at writing love stories than you are. Just look at your track record. It hasn't been awesome. And I know that because that's my story. But the moment I'm willing to go, God, let you do this. You help me build it. Yes, I desire this with all of my heart. And there are days where it's so stinking lonely. And I, don't, I was 30 years old before I got married. And there's so many days that I just wanted to take a bottle of lighter fluid and just try to create something in my own power. But by the grace of God alone, that had men and women walking alongside me, helping pull off those grave clothes, guiding me and just going, hey, be patient. He writes way better love stories than you can. And on this side of being married, can I just say this? It's way better being lonely now than getting married and being lonely. And if you don't let God begin to heal some of those things that you're trying to somehow satisfy or complete in a significant other, you will carry all of those insecurities and all of those weights into your marriage. You'll carry that loneliness into your marriage. You'll carry those addictions into your marriage. And so maybe tonight, like I said from the very beginning, the vast majority of us in this room are single, whether we're dating or we're, uh, we don't, we're not dating. I almost said alone, but that was like, wham, wham. Um, <laughs> if you're not married, the Bible refers to you as single. Here's my challenge, my encouragement. Would you use these next few months, if you've got those, or next years, leveraging your time as a single to pursue Jesus with all of your heart, to chase after him. Listen, singleness, it's actually a gift. And I know we look at it, we go, it's a gift I don't want though. Like, take it back, where do I return it? But it's actually a gift that God has given you. And you're like, but I don't know, I don't know if I have that gift. I, I, listen, if you're not married, guess what? You have the gift. Just like if you look at me and you go, Drew, do you have the gift of marriage? I go, I don't know, maybe. I go, yeah, of course I do. I'm married. And when God's ready, when he builds this fire, when he gives you a new gift, you'll be ready to receive it. Would you allow him to cultivate this? Would you pursue him? Because let me just end with this statement. Don't look for relationship to satisfy you. Because if you're not already satisfied, you're the, some broken guy, some sinful girl is not going to satisfy you. Because if you're in this room a follower of Jesus, good news, you already have a relationship. A relationship with the God that spoke the world into existence. And if that relationship doesn't satisfy you, doesn't complete you, no relationship ever will. So would you use this season to pursue him, to chase after him, and grow in him? Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. 
please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.